This challenge really redefines what you thought you were capable of and forces you to keep the promise that you made to yourself again and again and again. That was from today's episode all about the 75 hard challenge. If you would like to skip directly to the rules, that's about seven and a half, eight minutes into the episode. And the first half is really just me describing, I think, the basis of self-confidence and self-efficacy. So enjoy. All Things Con Amor is the pursuit of holistic health, wellness, happiness, love, the things that really set our soul on fire. Enjoy the ride. Hi guys, welcome back. If you are new here, I'm Stephanie, second year medical student yoga instructor, and today's episode is all about the 75 hard. Um, I've been alluding to it here and there on my Instagram stories, and I figured I would just take a few minutes to give you guys a full breakdown of what exactly it is. It is March 3rd. I actually typed out this little um, explanation I was thinking of on January 25th, and I'm just now finally getting around to speaking it out. So this has been coming for a while. I didn't want to be too vocal about it because I was really nervous that I wouldn't be able to accomplish it and then it would just be embarrassing that everyone knew that I had started this thing that I couldn't finish. So I more so decided to try the challenge to prove to myself that I was worth the accountability, that I was worth showing up for myself and making myself these promises. So I get asked pretty often how it was that I gained self-confidence. I know it's a topic we sometimes touch on different episodes on this podcast and If you are someone that has asked me this and perceives me as confident, that is so sweet and thank you for that because it also means that you project good things towards me through your perception of me. So I really appreciate it and it is something that I've worked really hard on. It's not something I think I was super naturally born with. I was made to feel pretty small as a child. I was often like told that I was too loud or that I was too much and it took a really long time for me to become comfortable sharing my voice. For example, when I told stories, I feel like I would miss the point or I would take too long and people just didn't find them funny or relevant. And it took a while, I think, to become confident in my ability to just speak and show up as myself. I was always afraid of how much space I took up and how loud I was and I was worried that it would annoy other people or just simply be too much to handle. So it's a work in progress, as all things are. And... These are the things that I hope we can work through on this podcast. So if you also worry about saying too much or being too much, I am right there with you. You are not alone. But what really switched for me was this realization that I didn't want to be around people that didn't love me as I am. My mother always taught me to love our friends as they are, and it ended up leading to me staying in very toxic friendships and relationships where I just wasn't getting as much as I deserved simply because I was trained to love people unconditionally and be understanding and accept people as they are. And to a degree, I really believe that I still am because I do believe that people deserve to be loved as they are, but I don't believe that that should excuse behavior that ends up hurting you. So when I was thinking about this point that it's so easy for me to love other people unconditionally, Why was it so difficult for me to apply that rule to myself? And why 
could I often be so mean to myself or struggle to love myself as I am? I have been reading a lot about this evolutionarily, how this works, and our bodies are constantly trying so hard to protect us. And because of that, it internalizes every bad experience we have and it categorizes these as dangerous and we tend to panic when we might be put into that situation again. So that's why these negative experiences can often weigh a lot more on your subconscious, on your thought patterns than the positive ones because the negative ones are really a survival mechanism for us. They are in place because they're meant to keep us alive, but we tend to forget that we're not in as much danger as our nervous system may have been when it evolved to perceive things that way. So a thousand years ago, if you were ostracized from the social group, not a thousand years ago, a lot longer than that ago, um, you could have ended up without food or shelter or water. And so that's part of why we have this really deep-seated internal need to be liked and to build communities and be supported by others because that was our way of making it in the world as humans. So again, why is it so hard for us to think that others won't accept us as we are? I think a lot of it comes with learning that you can't make everyone love you or see you as you are, no matter how hard you try. There are always going to be people who are committed to misunderstanding you. That phrase, it was so simple and it absolutely changed my life. Think about when you've had an argument with someone and no matter how many different ways you try to explain yourself and argue your point, they simply won't give up their perspective and they are just committed to their perspective. They are committed to misunderstanding you. And that's okay, because at the end of the day, the opinion that really matters the most is your own. You spend the most time with yourself. And so the way you perceive yourself matters a hell of a lot more than the way other people perceive you. I ended up realizing that this meant that I don't need to rationalize and explain myself in every situation. If being around someone makes me feel badly or I feel like I have to justify the things I say or do around them, then maybe that's my intuition telling me something. Maybe they are just one of those people that are going to be committed to perceiving me in a way that does not align with who I truly am. And that's okay. Coming from a chronic people pleaser, it's okay to not have everyone love and adore you. You don't need them all. And honestly, you probably don't even like them all. So why do their opinions matter so much? As I've gotten older, not that I'm that old, but I have truly learned and internalized the fact that the closest people to me, their opinions are the ones that matter the most, and they're the ones that are so kind and loving and unconditionally accepting. And so... In terms of building my self-confidence and learning to listen to my intuition, I decided to embark on this challenge. This challenge really redefines what you thought you were capable of and forces you to keep the promise that you made to yourself again and again and again. And on days that you really don't want to show up, I mean, I'm a pretty stubborn person, so I think I was a little too stubborn to fail you show up. And um, part of it is that you have until you go to sleep. You don't have until midnight for the day to be over. So there were some nights these past 50 days where I was up until 
three in the morning, finishing the things that I'd been putting off all day, but it meant that I was keeping that promise I made to myself. And it really gives you this beautiful sense of self that you can keep the promises you make to yourself and not only the promises that you make to others, because I think that's where the self-confidence and the self-efficacy portion of the entire challenge come in. And that's why I really, really highly recommend that people do something similar to it. Again, tweak it to suit your needs the way I tweaked it to suit mine. Um, Let's get into what exactly the rules of the 75 hard are. If you want to take notes because you want to do it yourself, you absolutely can. The 75 hard challenge was created by a man named Andy Frisella. Um, And so the technical rules of it are you have to take a progress picture every single day, drink a gallon of water every day, read 10 pages. You cannot drink any alcohol. You have to do two 45-minute workouts, follow a diet with no cheat meals. So I'm going to explain to you guys how I made this applicable to my life and how I made it more sustainable. Um, If you have heard any of my other episodes at some point, sometimes I do mention that I, like many other girls, basically every girl I know, um, have a history of just not having the best relationship with food. And so I really did not want to be super restrictive with the diet. I didn't want to end up um, counting macros or doing anything like that because I know that that would have been really easy for me to spiral in a negative direction. Instead, I looked at what it was that I was eating that was not making me feel good and how I could eliminate that. So the two things I did very, very clearly cut out were ice cream, Ben and Jerry's, but all types of ice cream and cookies and cookie dough because those were the things that my body was craving, the amount of processed sugar, and I was going out of my way to eat it whenever I was sad. I would down an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's, which is a lot of calories, which is fine, but the consistency, it was just too much. And I also noticed how horrible I would feel the day after I drank, the day after I went out with friends. I just didn't want that distraction. I didn't want to deal with being hungover and knowing that I was putting basically poison in my body. Um, Not that I'm against alcohol in any means. I definitely do miss a good glass of red wine. Um, And I, I will be going back to it, just not as frequently when I'm done with the challenge. The part of this challenge that makes it very intimidating is that if you mess up any of the rules, you restart at day one, which is why people so seldom actually complete it. And I think that was my biggest fear point in putting it off and starting for so many years. I've wanted to start since I was even made aware of the challenge back in 2019 when I was doing my gap year and I was listening to Ed Milet podcast every single day. That's when I came across this challenge. I think I listened to an episode with Andy Frisella. He was a guest on someone's um, podcast that I listened to. And it, I just always made excuses for it. I was like, oh, well, I have this big party coming up and I um, am too busy with work and all these things. And then my friend Alex, who was a prior guest on this podcast actually he posted on his story that he was starting January 1st and it made me realize that this is really the only time in my life where I'm going to have this much autonomy over my schedule over my free time because I'm in my preclinical years I do have like a good amount of lecture and obligations to medical school and obviously I have to study like all the time but the hours at which I study are really up to my discretion so I have the time in my schedule to 
not have to be at the hospital for 13 hours a day and be able to complete this challenge. I tweaked the rules to make them a little bit more manageable for me. In terms of the two 45-minute workouts, I told myself as long as I get in an hour and 30 minutes of movement a day, it counts. So especially on days where I had a ton of things planned and it just wasn't feasible, um, I would do like a 30-minute yoga or Pilates flow as soon as I woke up, and then I would get an hour-long walk-in at some point in the day. A lot of my workouts were walking because that low-impact, consistent movement is so good for your body and for your mental health. Um, there were days where I did not want to show up. It was the last thing in the world I wanted to do, and days where I had left like half of my gallon of water until 11 p.m., and so... There are some parts of it that aren't incredibly like good for listening to your intuition and listening to your body. Obviously, always consult with your physician before taking on anything new, especially in the diet proportion um, and the gallon of water. I know that should differ for some people, but it was the fact that I had made this promise to myself and I was so determined on keeping it. I would write at the top of my planner for the day. I live out of my passion planner. It like, has my schedule out by the hour. I would write out day, whatever number it was, and then I would write three tallies for my three bottles of water that count up to a gallon, and I would write out picture and book, which meant my progress picture and reading the 10 pages a day. As I completed the things, I would just cross them out, um, and I would write the tallies as I drank the bottles of water. And it brought back this beautiful structure into my life. Like I am so excited to read before I go to bed every night and I sleep better because I'm not accidentally scrolling for two and a half hours. And the water, the hydration has given me so much energy. My skin absolutely cleared up. I was on FaceTime with my mom like halfway through it and she kept asking me why my skin was glowing. And I was like, okay, one, why are you so shocked? This is slightly insulting. But two, thank you. And I am so sure that it was the water and cutting down on the sugar. Now, I still do have a piece of dark chocolate every day, but it is day 50, and so in honor of being two-thirds of the way through, I just wanted to make this episode to give you guys insight as to what it is and my thoughts around it and my belief around how when you make promises to yourself, that is the best way you can show yourself that you trust yourself. You can build that self-confidence, that self-worth, that self-trust that you can make promises to yourself and actually go through with them. And this is not just applicable to your health and wellness. This is applicable to those goals you have in your personal development, in growing your business. And whatever your side hustle is or the thing it is that you're passionate about, this is a way of kind of showing that you can do something to completion. And that's something I always struggled with. Even as a little girl, I would get so excited about a new hobby and I would buy all of the things for it and I would get decently good at it. I would do it like really, really intensively for a while and then I would just drop it. I did this with knitting, I did this with painting, I bought like a watercolor set, and bless my mother's soul, she was always so supportive, she was always ready to buy me all the things for it, but it was unfortunate to think of how good I could have gotten at some of those things if I hadn't just given up once I kind of fell off being excited about it. And I think that was something that happened with this podcast for a little while when I first started. It was growing super consistently. I won an award. It was um, a top mindfulness podcast in the UK. And I, over summer, just allowed other things to get in front of this and distract me and 
So getting back to being able to set something up and follow through with it, that was what I wanted to take out of this challenge and that's what I have gotten. And I think for these last 25 days, I'm going to actually make some cuts to the diet now that I've really, really gotten a hang of all of the other rules. Um, I'm going to be cutting out like super processed foods. So like foods that don't expire, if that makes sense, just process things that don't go bad and really, really filling my diet with getting colors in every day, getting some type of vegetable and fruit in every day, because I am notorious for, um, making the same, like very basic, simple meals. And I want to up the diversity of my gut microbiome, but long story short. That is what the 75 Heart is. Thank you for listening to this short and sweet episode. If you want to be accountability partners and join me, DM me on Instagram. You can find me at Stephanie Arnuk, and um, you can find this podcast at All Things Con Amor, where we have updates on the newest episodes, the newest guests. Thank you again so much for being here. I wouldn't have these episodes to make if I didn't have a community to share them with. And I'm so grateful that you are part of that community. See you when I see you. Also, guys, I am so sorry about the hissing noise in the background of some episodes. It is the heating system. It's like steam-based heating in the brownstones in New York City. So... Bear with me. We're not going to let that stop us from creating, but if you're curious if you ever hear it or any type of honking, because I live in the cities. So, um, just wanted to make that disclaimer. Okay, have a wonderful day. Bye.